all kinds of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And we are live from the deep down south, or as they call us down here, the Sunshine State. I bid you good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be. This is Sky Watchers Radio, and as always, I am your host, Angel Espino, and joined by my co-host, Alan Weiler. And today we are joined for the first hour by our pseudo-co-host, Mr. Joseph Mara. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us again on the show as usual. Yeah, thank well, you. Now, Joseph sounds perfect. Uh, and, uh, some people are going to ask, well, what's going on with Alan's connection over there? Alan is in remote location as usual. Uh, where are you tonight, Alan? Tonight I am right on Tampa Bay Beach. Uh, unfortunately, though, the hotel that I'm in... Even though it's a nice hotel, wants to charge an astronomical price for internet bandwidth, which is way out of my budget, since Angel is not providing it. No, I am not, and it's going to stay that way. You have to provide for yourself around here. That's how we do things on Skywatchers Radio. But, guys, you're listening in live on the Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, on PSN Radio. Uh, we have open lines for the first hour. If you guys want to call in and ask anything, you're, you're, ask whatever is in your heart to ask. Whatever you want to ask, please do so. We're here to take your calls, man. Call in 786-245-8127. And, uh, of course, you can look us up on Skype. PSN Radio is the Skype way to look us up. And Dark Matter Radio Network also will get you through, I think, our webmaster, Keith Rowland, where he'll he'll patch you in here if you guys call through there. Uh, Alan, Joseph, it's been kind of a, of a busy week, and uh, it's been a busy month, of course. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, stuff that's come out in the news, which we're going to get to. Uh, before we do, though, I want to announce that we're going to have Steve Bassett on as the uh, second-hour guest. So Steve Bassett will, will be with us which is always exciting to hear from Steve. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff that's been on the news, and I know you guys keep your ears on what's hot in the world of ufology. At least I know Joseph does. Well, I do it too, and the one thing I found rather interesting this week, that's really stood out as what's going on with Google and the moon. Ah, you hit it right on the nose, man. See, that's one of the stories I wanted to cover tonight. There is some uh, Google Images which have come out recently, which show up a really weird thing. Uh, this is, It looks almost like there's mining going on in the moon. Now, um, Joseph, have you seen these pictures? I haven't, and you know what? I'll tell you why. Uh, I took uh, two weeks off of work uh, vacation, and I went back to Pennsylvania. I just got back yesterday, so I was really grounded the last two weeks into my family and 
And so I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say, and then maybe I can, uh, um, you know, if you guys have any questions or what my what I my viewpoint is towards it. Uh, well, check this out. Uh, this is right from Google Images. I linked it there on Skype, and I'm going to post it over on the uh, chat room also for psn-radio.com. Um, it's really bizarre. It's Google Images revealed triangular moon mystery, and they're saying it could be an ET colony. Now, it says here, are extraterrestrials using the moon to watch us from a hidden base? Of course, you know, this is something that we've all talked about, you know, the base on the dark side of the moon. You know, there's been talk about that in ufology for years, right? Right. We've all, we've all heard, you know, this tale of there being bases on the moon. And there's never been any credible evidence. Well, Google Images might have just snapped some. It says one minute, or one might jump to the conclusion after looking at an image as above, spotted by a YouTube poster, and um, this is the name of the poster, Wow For Real, using Google Moon imagery. Wow For Real scanned the uh, far side of our celestial neighbor and reported seeing and capturing the image of what appeared to be a huge V-shaped or triangular object that has two rows and even seven lights seen on this thing. Sounds very Phoenixy to me. Huh, exactly. At first glance, it certainly appears a, a bit too symmetrical for the natural object, for, for it to be a natural object. Uh, some in, internet sites have speculated that it might be either an alien spaceship or a base used by aliens from which to study Earth. Or what? It could even be a top-secret moon base created by us humans. What do you guys think? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the third there. I think it's probably something we created already on the moon there, and Whoopsie, somebody just saw it. They weren't supposed to see that. Well, I'm saying it looks very much uh, like the Phoenix Lights, as well as the large black triangles people have been talking about for decades. So I'm going to lean towards that. Could be. Could be. Joseph, what do you think? Um, huh. This goes back to our previous conversation, like uh, last month. And uh, I really believe that... Uh, um, the disclosure that uh, we all want to happen is happening now in subtle ways, and, and they're trying to ease humanity into the realization that we're not alone in the universe just to uh, uh, prevent panic and, uh, like, you know, super fear. And I think this is just part of it, these, these uh, images. And, yes, you can see uh, structure. They're kind of blurred. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, with our current technology today, we can see a license plate, you know, with, uh, with the current uh, satellite systems we have. I'm sure we have clearer images than this, or somebody has them out there, but I think they're going to leak, get leaked out, and this is kind of like the start. Um, actually, this stuff's been going on for a while, but... Right. Um, I, I well, really remember, this is, uh, this is taken from Google Images, so you're not going to get something very clear from Google Images. Right. Right, so that particular technology, maybe not, but I'm right. sure more and more things are out there. I think this is just a part of the disclosure project or process. It would be a better uh, way to put it. I, I really think that, uh, you know, can you imagine if everybody's like, well, why doesn't the, the, the ETs, that, why don't they just land on the White House lawn? And, you know, that would scare the crap out of a lot of the people on this planet. Me included. They yeah, so they wouldn't know if they're good or they're bad or what, what's going to happen here. Like, So I really think that it has to come in subtle ways, and I think that's what's happening. 
I completely agree. I think that that, you know, the movies that we've been force-fed for the last 30, 40 years about aliens, both good and bad aliens, uh, all that stuff leads into the conditioning that's been going on on this planet. Uh, And it's been going on for really more than 30, 40 years. I think even since before Roswell, it started because even in the fifties, you know, they, were, they had alien-based movies right. or movies about aliens and invasions and all that stuff. I think it even started way back when uh, War of the Worlds took place on the radio. That's when yeah. I think it really began, but all the way back then, uh, maybe they knew something that you know they were told to start the conditioning back then. Well, you know, this goes back to the, our previous conversation. Also, is that you know we're only talking a hundred years ago. Look at these cave right. paintings that are hundreds of years. And, and they've seen these things, and oh, they've yeah, communicated. Yeah. And, and so, you know, yeah, they've known something. Everybody, you know, that's open-minded can can at least uh, imagine. I mean, look, at, if, if, if you look up in space, it, just from the ground, and you look with your naked eye, you can see how many stars are out there. And then, you know, you look at uh, the current um, Hubble telescope, and it's seeing out billions of light years and all these I mean, galaxy after galaxy. I mean, surely we're not the only right. game in town. And well, not only that, it's funny you say that, but what we can see is so limited also. There's so much more out there in space. When you say look up at the sky, we can see some stars. Yeah, we only see a little fraction of what actually is there. Absolutely. Now, it's uh, to continue the article here real quick before we move on to the next one, it says here, a uh, stitching artifact is a photograph anomaly. Wait, I'm going to go back a little bit further here. This is from uh, Mutual UFO Network, MUFON. <clears throat> and I'm going to quote here. It says, I would suspect from looking at that, the original uh, picture, the object is a stitching of artifact from the Google moon, uh, said Mark D'Antonio, chief photo and video analyst for MUFON. A stitching artifact is a photographic an- uh, anomaly that occurs due to the process by which many photos are aligned and put together to make a large <laughs> photo mosaic. Google moon, uh, Google Earth, Google Mars, and as well as Google Sky, for that matter, are all composed of tens of thousands of images that are aligned as best as possible, with each one of them draped over as, as uh, spherical planets. Uh, so basically, you know, what they do is they it's a bunch of layers of different images to, just to make the canvas and uh, and whatnot. So it could be a bunch of images from different time periods where they, that were taken uh, to actually make the final mosaic picture. Uh, so they're saying this is just uh, this is just a stitching. God bless you, whatever that was. Uh, this is just some sort of, of a stitching error from the actual images themselves. I don't know if I buy that, but that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? I personally don't think it'll make any sense at all because there's no other artifacting or any stitching issues anywhere near the perimeter or the surface in the image. There's nothing else that would look like even a slightest pixel anomaly in the surrounding area. So I'm saying no to that. What what really throws that theory off, even though it makes sense, if it, you know, there's some something from it makes a little bit of sense to me, but what really throws it off is the fact that the lights on it look so perfectly aligned. Now, I know Google, and I know uh, Photoshop, and I know how images work, and I know how layering works, and I know the you know the entire process. There's no way you're going to get the lights aligned like this on a random number of, of layered image. I mean, look, let's just say, for example, that there is some kind of an entrance there. And those lights really are there, right? Even if you have a mosaic bunch of images from taken, let's say, within the span of a week or two, all those images are going to give you what's there anyway, right? Which is the entrance with the lights on it. You would right? think, yeah. 
So regardless, there's still what looks like a crater with a bunch of lights on there, which make no sense. So the stitching argument, while it would make sense in some arguments, because I have seen it before on Google uh, Google Sky, but on this particular argument, it doesn't doesn't really hold any water whatsoever. So I'm I'm with you on that one, Alan. You know, I really think this uh, has to do with muddying the water. And yeah. so when you have somebody that comes in and they give a, a um, you know, a, a decent explanation of what it could possibly be. Now, all of a sudden, it forms doubt in people's minds. That muddies the water, and people don't want to be duped because over and over that has happened. Oh, here's a, here I I uh, captured uh, Bigfoot, and next thing you know, it's all over the headlines, and then it, it turns out to be a, a hoax. So everybody's on edge, and they're just like, okay, uh, yeah, I, I really want to believe this, but I don't want to believe it so badly that I'm creating something that's not really there. So it puts a doubt in, in those who really want to believe. No, I got you. Now, don't get me started on Bigfoot, please. That's just, <laughs> you know. Oh, man, what a hoax that is. Uh, it, look, let's move on to the next article here. This is a really interesting one that I read earlier tonight, and I really wanted to share this with everybody. This is from uh, DailyGalaxy.com, which is a really cool website. Again, I'm going to link it in the chat room, psn-radio.com. Check that out. And um, it's recognizing extraterrestrial intelligence. Uh, there could be life an intelligent life out there in the forms that we can't even conceive and the article says and this is it makes perfect sense it says there could be a they could be uh they could be staring right at us at our face and we just won't even won't even recognize them the problem is that we're looking for something very much like us assuming they at least have something like the same mathematics or technology as us the intriguing remarks was made by lord martin reese a leading cosmologist and astrophysicist who uh, is the president of Britain's Royal Society, an astronomer of Queen of England of the Queen of England, uh, Reese believes the existence of extraterrestrial life may be beyond human understanding. And I'm going to quote here: "says I suspect there could be life and intelligence out there in the forms that we just can't conceive." Just as chimpanzees can't understand quantum theory, it could be that uh, there are aspects of reality that are beyond the capacity of our brains, uh, observed. And uh, I think that is a brilliant uh, form of putting it, and I completely agree with that. There could be all kinds of different uh, forms of life forms out there that we just can't conceive, man. It's like the whole God thing. You know, we're, I think, it developed to a certain degree where, honestly, there's nobody on this planet that can even conceive what God really is. That's why all religions, I think, are kind of like bogus anyway, because nobody really has the capacity to know what God is, if there is a God. And aliens could be the same thing. Life forms could exist in any kind of different, you know, forms out there. I'll tell you what, I think Shakespeare personally, in my opinion, is the one who said it the best, which is, there are more things in heaven and earth, my dear Horatio, than you and I could ever fathom in either of our philosophies. That's pretty good, actually. I'm going to write that down. That's old, right? It's a pretty old quote. Shakespeare. Oh, ye. Yeah, okay. Ye, that is, that is the <laughs> olden speech, yo. Now it says here, an alien might have four limbs, just like we humans have four limbs, you know, two arms, two legs, or it might sport 17 tentacles, depending on the evolutionary uh, pressures. Uh, We can observe, uh, quantify, and describe each of such things, but how can we truly gauge uh, the workings of an alien mind? Uh, Which brings up an interesting question. Let's just say, for example, gentlemen, 
that we find some kind of a creature on Mars living there now, right? We're we're studying Mars, right, guys? We're, we got probes. Right, and, right. Oh, oh, we got all kinds of things on Mars, right? Rovers and whatnot. Let's say we do discover some kind of a weird uh, being on Mars with tentacles and all kinds of weird-looking, you know, alien life form that lives there, walks around, has no problem breathing the atmosphere on Mars. Because, you know, even though Mars is kind of a, of a terrible environment to live in for us humans, doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad environment for some kind of alien species. So let's just oh, say there is... you got to think about it. Hang on, hang on. you got also got to think about it. At one point in time, in its past history, um, it was very, very much Earth-like and we would have been able to be living there. It would have been habitable for us, but over time it changed. Whether right. it was gradual or short, we have no idea. But you got to understand, we would have, if we were still there, would have evolved with the environment as a change if it changed gradually. Right, which is where I'm getting at. Let's just say there is a life form there that has lived there for millions of years. Let's just say the planet was uh, habitable for humans two billion years ago. Which is nothing, that's a drop in the bucket in the cosmos, right? But two billion years ago, there was humanoid type of life on there. And something happened, catastrophic, and destroyed life on planet Mars. Mars uh, it started re-evolving over the next two billion years. And a species popped up and became the dominant species on there. And there's maybe just a very few amount of them on Mars. Now, let's just say they look really hideous, like uh, something like this is describing tentacles and all kinds of stuff. But these beings are super advanced, te- you know, technologically, maybe even, maybe even scientifically. Maybe they're a lot smarter than we are science-wise. And when we get there, say we're studying Mars, what do you think is the first reaction we're going to have when we see one of these creatures? As it might just be walking along just minding in his own business, doing whatever this creature is supposed to do on his natural course of life. What do you think the first reaction of us human beings is going to be once we lay eyes on this creature? I think we're probably going to say, quick, let's make sure we get a selfie. No, I think that's not, that's a good answer, though. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. Uh, Joseph, what do you think? (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, let me go back one. Um, you quoted the gentleman saying about uh, our brains uh, having an inability to conceive, but right. I would also add to that and say that it's an inability to perceive because we have these five senses that are limited within the bandwidth of light. So there could be something right beside us. In fact, I really believe there are in various dimensions and, and things that we simply can't perceive within the bandwidth of light. And so um, I, I truly believe that's probably what is really going on in the cosmos. Um, and, and back to this this thing, what you're saying with these tentacles on another planet. First of all, right now, um, we truly believe, at least scientifically, we believe that there is only life so far on this planet because of it was this primordial soup and, and the, the DNA was such that all of a sudden there was microorganisms that turned into all kinds of various life on this particular right. planet, and only this planet. So right. the first thing a person would say is if there is any kind of life, whether it be bacteria or otherwise, on a planet, and you find it, you know that the potential is, oh my gosh, there is life here, so it's not just us on planet Earth. Therefore, now, okay, how many other planets do have life? And then, So that's the whole thing. It's like, we have this theory where, yeah, I guess there could be life out there, but so far we've only found it on planet Earth. Well, yeah, and but I think you, you guys are missing my, my question here. 
my question is, let's say we, we're, colonizing, we're colonizing Mars, right? We're, we're colonizing the whole planet. We have humans there. You know, there's 200,000 people that sign up to, to be able to colonize the planet and to take the trip, one-way trip. Let's say we do send some, some people to colonize the planet, and now we have a whole settlement there. And they're walking around. They're trying to build whatever they're building to, so they could live on Mars. And all of a sudden, this creature just pops up and walks around, looks at them all weird, and just keeps walking and... What do you think the first thing that's going to go through the human mind? Well, that's what I was getting to. My first thing, in my, if I'm putting myself in those, going, oh, my God, hey, we're, our own planet isn't the only one that has life. I'd be shocked to see. I'd be like, well, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'd be like, hey, there's the proof right there that, that there's life outside of planet Earth. That's my first thought. And then the other thing is, okay, how intelligent is this uh, being um, you know, all those questions of humanity, could we communicate and all those types of things. See, I think the first thing that the human mind is going to think of is where's my gun so I could shoot the sucker because I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, I guess you'd, you'd have to have that uh, fight or flight response because that's a part of the, the human being. It's either, okay, I'm going to either run away from this thing or I'm going to kill it or it kills me. So, yeah, that's just a, you know... Um, it's just part of the human, the human psyche, I guess you could say. Now, isn't that funny though? That I do think about ninety-nine percent of the people would have that reaction. That's pretty telling about the human species, huh? Well, again, it's 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 part of who we are. It's it's it goes down to uh, you know how we've evolved on our planet, and at one time we have that animalistic. Uh, uh, behavior that's a fight or flight. It's a response. It's uh, hormonal. It's a, a mechanism of uh, a cause and effect. And so, I, yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. Now, it's an interesting article. Again, it's from dailygalaxy.com. Check that article out. It's it's uh, labeled Recognizing Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And again, it makes a perfect uh, argument that, yeah, we probably won't even recognize you know intelligent beings because they're so vastly, it might be so vastly different than what we think of as as, as intelligence. Uh, somebody made, I don't remember who it was, but somebody made the argument or made the uh, point uh, to me recently that it would be kind of like if we go to the jungle, we're staring at a bunch of lions uh, doing whatever they're doing. You know, they're, they understand what's going on in their minds and they're communicating in their way, but when they see human beings just standing there, they're like, what the hell is going on? Who the hell is that? But they don't really recognize what we're doing there. You know, there's no way to communicate. And that would be kind of like the same thing. How, how would we communicate with aliens if they're so different, so vastly different from us? Yeah, that's would there be any way? I mean, that's the same thing as us communicating with a dolphin. They communicate right. with each other and through, uh, you know... Um, you know, well, I guess they have various ways of doing it, but I mean, some of these alien species that we're talking about could possibly have, uh, uh, telepathy. Uh, you know, you don't know, you don't know. They might not have a verbal communication like we do. I, I, I would suspect that, uh, the verbal communication is pretty primitive. Uh, and just think if there's, look at our technology, look where we've come in a hundred years. What would some uh, alien species that was a thousand years ahead of us look like? I mean, right. I don't think we could really even think about that. That's or sure true, how's yeah. their evolution? What if they are billions of years of, uh, you know, they've been evolved and they've gone and they've also evolved not on just one planet, but several planets. You know, even within a species, like say the human race wasn't just on this planet, but they were on various planets. What, 
would we evolve differently if we had uh, a different medium for growth, like various planets, different temperatures, you know, you know, atmosphere? Now, that actually, that brings up a good argument uh, or a good question, I should say. Uh, are you a believer in panspermia? Absolutely. Alan? Uh, I'm still not sure about it, to tell you the truth. Um, it's a possibility, but there's so many other possible options that are out there. I don't think any. I, I think it's it's called a theory because it still is a theory. Well, yeah, every, but everything is a theory. I mean, have they really proven any theories in the last hundred yeah, years? I don't know, but did you hear the church is actually uh, calling the theory of intelligent? Uh, what was it? To 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 go against the theory of gravity. Um, someone just sent me a look earlier today about the um, theory of intelligent attraction. Intelligent. So hold on. Intelligent attraction. Okay. <laughs> that now you got my yeah, interest. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, it appears that the Reverend Jerry Cowell's University or the web or or whatnot. Uh, gave this guy a master's in um, eccentric theologies. And since everybody is still debating, it, should God be in the classroom and all that, should we still be teaching evolution or should we be teaching God uh, to refute Newton's law of gravity? It's actually just a theory. And the opposite of that is, intelligent attraction. There is a superior... Since we could actually show the actual... what obviously you and I call gravity, we right. can't explain what's causing gravity, so right. it must be intelligent design that's causing the attraction of different objects. Well, I don't buy that. Duh! <laughs> <laughs> I call shenanigans on that story. <laughs> right now, shenanigans. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back on the other side with more stories, news articles, and uh, your calls as you call in, 786-245-8127. Open lines the rest of the way. Second hour, we have Mr. Stephen Bassett on with us. Uh, again, I'm joined by Alan Weiler and Joseph Mara. This is Skywatchers Radio, and you're listening to the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. We'll be right back in a couple minutes. Stay tuned. I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Look up in the sky. 
sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Do your kids share a bedroom with a sibling? Is dorm room privacy a problem? Introducing Privacy Pop, a new way to create a private and comforting space on your bed. Privacy Pop is a bed tent that fits over twin, twin extra long, full, and queen beds. Privacy Pop is your ticket to seclusion in crowded sleeping quarters. Privacy Pop is the perfect holiday gift for the youngster who likes building forts and cramped college dorm rooms. Log on to privacypop.com and see how this unique sleeping system easily pops out from a small carrying case. Easy to store and simple to set up. Privacypop.com. That's privacypop.com. The perfect holiday gift for your grandchildren or your own kids who want a fun bed fort. Choose their favorite color. See this unique sleeping system now. Act now for a limited time offer. Use promo code RADIO in the checkout cart for free shipping. Log on to privacypop.com. Use promo code RADIO for free shipping. Wow. The moment my son saw a redwood tree. It's huge! Is the moment I knew that for him. You can't even see the top of that thing! Even the sky has no limit. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Discount Comic Book Service where you can save 40-75% to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now, this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well, it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. Might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there.
This ad has been paid for by the Jackal's Head. End the war on terror. War. It's fantastic. Everybody, we are back on Skywatchers Radio, and again, you're listening to the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. One more time, I'm going to give you the call-in number. If you want to call in and uh, drop us a line or two, or give us your two cents of whatever it is we're talking about, and maybe ask a few questions, or even harass myself, Alan, or Joseph on air, that's, that'd be fine too. 786-245-8127. This is Skywatchers Radio, and we're moving on to the next story, because... Uh, let's see, I have a few more that I want to get to before the end of the hour, and I want to get your your opinions on these stories. Uh, one of them is, let's see here, uh, this is pretty funny, but there was a report that came out a few days ago of a UFO landing at, a, at an airport. I don't know if you guys saw this. It's just, a brief, I think it's like on the 22nd of January. Did you no, guys uh, re- read that. about this report? Wow, cool. Well, it gets actually really funny because uh, now they're saying that the this report that came out uh, wasn't really a UFO, but it was a model airplane that was mistaken for a UFO. Now, uh, it says here there were at least 50 eyewitnesses uh, for the report that something unusual was in the sky on the evening of January 6th. Police said in the statement on Tuesday, uh, many of the eyewitnesses claimed that the UFO, which came into a Bremen Airport airspace at around 6.30 p.m., left at 9.30 p.m., was nothing more than a model airplane. Others confused uh, by the plane, or the uh, others confused that the police helicopter sent up uh, was sent up to look for a mystery object for a, the UFO itself and found nothing, according to the statement. Others reported the Air France plane waited in the runway as a UFO and was mistaken for a UFO, but this says it says here that it was nothing more than a model plane. Do you guys buy this? I'm not really buying this. Uh, no. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I know the people that actually make the radio controlled um, out of balsa wood superheroes. So, you know, where they fly them around, you know, in the sky and make people go, oh my god, oh my god! Um, so, I don't know. Now, I wonder could they track back the signal if it was a model plane of where the signal came from and maybe do yeah, backtracking. Radars, radars don't actually track no. signals. They track moving objects. That says here, the case was taken on by the uh, Bremen State uh, Prosecutor's Office, which is looking into whether the incident could be classified, or actually not classified, uh, classed as a dangerous intrusion of airspace. Uh, Bremen authorities believe that the model plane could have been controlled remotely from a computer indoors somewhere, although at this point there's no clues to who was flying it. Examining uh, the northern uh, German city's model plane scene, as the police described it, has turned up no concrete leads yet. Um, interesting article, but it's funny that at first everybody was reporting it as an actual UFO. And then mysteriously, a couple of days later, a couple of weeks later, now it's oh, it's a model airplane. That's all it is. Roswell, anyone? Hmm. Yeah, not only that, but how about it, the Phoenix Lights? Even the governor was saying that 
you know, oh, they it was just flares or whatever, and then later on came back out and said that it actually was uh, a V-shaped craft with lights and this and that and the other thing, and, and so it's hard to say. I mean, I'd like to talk to the witnesses or interview them to see what their take on the possibility that what they actually saw was a, a model airplane. Fifty eyewitnesses for crying out loud. Fifty. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of people to be uh, mistaken here. Yeah. Right. I don't know. That's an interesting story. I'm going to keep my eye on that one because uh, I think we're going to hear more about that story out of Germany. Now, this is coming from astrobio.net. It says you're looking for super habitable, habitable worlds. Try Alpha Centauri B, says Astrobiology Journal. Now, have you heard of this story? I did not. I have. Nope. We'll let you go through it anyway. Good job. It says, the search for extraterrestrial life extends far beyond Earth's solar system, looking for planets uh, or moons outside of stellar habitable zones that may have environments even more favorable to supporting life than here on Earth. And uh, these superhabitable worlds have a unique characteristics that are ideal targets for extrasolar exploration, as described in the uh, provocative hypothesis article in Astrology, a peer-reviewed journal from uh, Mary Ann Libert. Uh, Inc. Publishers, and uh, and this uh, publishing uh, says here the super habitable worlds are out there, and uh, they could be again an Alpha Centauri B. This is where I guess they're they think more or the most of the planets they're going to be able to find in the Goldilocks zone are going to be located at. Why I don't know, it, it, Joseph. Have you ever done any research and found any connection, maybe with some ancient astronaut or I don't know anything in 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 the wake of uh, Alpha Centauri B being somewhere in, in anybody's writings or anything like that? I don't remember there being any connection with Alpha Centauri B anywhere. I haven't heard of anything like uh, like you know through the Anunnaki research or any of that kind of stuff right. uh, specifically, but. It's funny they're you know, signaling out Alpha Centauri B, though. You know what I mean? Like, what do they know? Right, right. Well, that's another thing. It's it's so it's so strange that first of all they don't believe that there's life out there, even if there was. It has to be in the Goldilocks zone, is what they. And you know, it's about the same distance from a star like our planet is from the sun. It has to have water. It's got to have all these. But you know what? Life isn't defined by what humanity defines it. I mean, there are so many different. Uh, possibilities, as we said at the, the top of the show, is that hey, you know, we may not even be able to conceive or define what life really is. We only have one narrow-minded way of looking at it from our perspective and our experience. So it's hard for me to even believe that they can pinpoint one particular location of the uh, you know, within our universe when there's right. billions of galaxies out there. I mean, it just it's, it's hilarious. It's, it's it's almost like they're they have nothing to report, and they're like, you know what? Let's just put this out there and see what people think. <laughs> you know, it's but a boring news week. There, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a boring news week. Let's just say, yeah, Alpha Centauri B. There might be life there. They'll eat it up. Let's make an article about it. <laughs> now, why not Alpha Centauri A? What's wrong with Alpha Centauri A? Is there something wrong with like, the atmospheres there on those planets? What's going on? Why no uh, life on Alpha Centauri A? Now, could this be misdirection? Maybe there is life on Alpha Centauri A, and they don't want us looking there. They want everybody to look at Alpha Centauri B. Exactly. Okay, look look at the <laughs> left hand because really over here on the right hand is what's really going on. So we'll get your attention over here. So 
Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's a funny article. I don't know how they could determine uh, really something that far away. Because, uh, I mean, these galaxies are pretty far away, man. That's why it's laughable to me. I'm like, what? I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible, but why would they pinpoint? And, well, the probability is much higher in this particular region right. rather than this. It's like, well, how the hell do you know? I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. We can't even get a clear picture of the moon. And you're telling me that's you can tell there's life? That's exactly good. And Alpha Centauri B, really? That's what, that's what we're going with here. Give me a clear image first of the moon, and then we can talk about life on other planets. How's that? That's good. NASA, or whoever this Rene Heller person is at the university. Astrobiology. Again, slow news week, folks. That's what this is. Slow news week in ufology, so they put this stuff out there. But uh, here's something that's really interesting. And this is really laughable. Uh, now, I'm a big fan of the History Channel. Joseph, Alan, you guys watch the History Channel at, at all? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Okay, History Channel. Yeah, it's a good channel, right? You've seen it, of course. When did the History Channel stop being about history, though? Oh, uh, that was about four years ago. Why? It was I, so good was when the- it was about history. You know, it, it it happened around the same time when sci-fi changed to sci-fi. Well, I, don't, I never liked that change either, but it, this is a funny article. This is coming from uh, GameZebo.com. It says here, the History Channel brings the game The Great Martian War to mobile gamers, but doesn't know what history means and uh, exactly what I was saying. When did the History Channel stop? doing things that had to do with history. Why are they meddling in Martian wars and alien stuff? That's not historical. I mean, none of this stuff is historical. Ancient aliens, none of that stuff is really historical uh, because it's all theory-based. None of it is confirmed concrete fact. You know what I mean? Now, it says here, does anyone else feel like the History Channel confused the word history with fan fiction an awful lot nowadays? But while that's aggravating as, oh, heck... I'm not using the profanity they used on here. Uh, for an amateur historian such as myself, it's also downright riveting for video game nerds who love the idea of trench warfares against aliens, which that in mind allows me to introduce you to the new concept of the Great Martian War, set in an alternate World War One period and based on a made-for-TV movie of the same name that aired the last fall, because why wouldn't this History Channel make a movie about Martians, right? Because that's, that belongs in the History Channel. The Great Martian War is an endless runner uh, destined for the App Store and Google Play on February 5th, coming up. But, again, really, why? Why is the History Channel, you know, putting stuff that has to do with aliens, Mars, Martians, wars... Why are they doing this? This is not historical at all. In any way, shape, or form, does any of this stuff belong in the History Channel? Well, I, what I uh, personally think, is they're, they're, uh, most likely, it's, is they're going by the ratings, for one, what's popular. And if you follow the money, that's probably another clue. But they're, they're capitalizing on ancient aliens, which implies that uh, this is old news. This is history. And so they go to these ancient sites that are within humanity's history, and they uh, they use carbon dating and different things like this for what has been found there, and they uh, add it into the storyline of the show. So I can see how they're getting that. But one other thing I'd like to say is, you know, ancient, or I mean, the History Channel is just the name. However, they want to um, steer their their uh, 
their viewers or, or whatever they want to put on there. I mean, you know, what's in the name, basically? Yeah, they should just change the name from History Channel to... We used to be History Channel, but now we peddle in all kinds of sci-fi stuff. Well, just like channel. they changed the sci-fi name. Um, yeah, like History Channel should be S-C-I-F-I now. Like, they should change it to the History <laughs> Sci-Fi. Exactly. Flash. Really? I always thought we should call it the Hitler Channel. Well, there's that, too, because, they, man, they used to put a lot of programming on Nazi Germany and Hitler. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Every Ooh. single day between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock, it's Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. It's the Hitler Channel. That's right, right here and right now. Isn't that your favorite topic, though? It's what? <laughs> Isn't that one of your favorite topics? I mean, he dies at the well, end. They saw, true, you're right. They saw my face, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then, of course, we also then get into the moral implications of time traveling and going back to kill him. Yes. That's that's a fun topic. <laughs> you know, you kill Hitler, we'll still be back in the uh, vacuum tube technology era today. Because it, mm, I don't know about that. Well, you think about it, the advancements of the technology that humanity made just to compete against each other thanks to the war of World War Two. So much advancement in technology happened all over the world to get us to where we are today. That's true, but I think we were heading in that direction anyway, and one thing or another would have triggered that, and we would have gone technological anyway. Because, I mean, you know, the, after the 20s, uh, that's kind of like the era we were going into, the 20s and 30s, you know, we were heading into a technological age eventually. That's just, I think, the next evolution of man. Something would have triggered I think, it. I think you're missing, mixing up the difference between the industrial age and the technology age. No, no, no. I know the industrial revolution and all that stuff that happened, but I'm saying we were heading into a more technological age anyway within the next 50, 60 years, regardless, after the 20s and 30s. So, I mean, that that was just the next phase of the human evolution, technology. Even look, even even the, the advancements that we did in the 20s and 30s led to technologies. Okay, go ahead. Let me hear some of them. Oh, for example, railroads, right? Okay, railroad doesn't need solid-state technology. All right, if we never had railroads, uh, we wouldn't have transportation of all kinds of different things across the country, which would have led to technology. Technology has been evolving over the 100 years. Hold on, hold on. You you had railroads all the way back to the 1700s. Right. It all started hundreds of years ago. Technology has been evolving over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Eventually, the next phase is a more technological computer age. I think that was something would have triggered that anyway. And honestly, if look, if we would have gone back in in history, and this is completely off topic, but if we would have gone back in history and killed Hitler when he was like a baby or something, um, I I think the Germans would have still come up and would have been very uh, intellectual people. Maybe some of the technologies would have been a little bit different, but I think technology would have been popping up everywhere anyway. It's not it's not that far-fetched to think that, you know, one day planes would have been created. Well, you know, bringing us back on topic, uh, Phil Corso says that all of our current technology came from back-engineering UFOs. So, well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I get, believe that How did either. we get so far so fast is, is what I think we're saying here. And Tesla, man. Tesla. What's that? Tesla is responsible for a lot of that. 
Yeah, but um, I mean, are you, I, I mean, look, I, I look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with the the theory that something landed at Roswell and we've back engineered some stuff. Uh, some of it, obviously, I think we probably are still working on because we can't really understand most of that technology because it's, it's alien. How the heck are we supposed to understand it? But the truth of the matter is, on this planet, we've had intelligent human beings for a very long time, which has created things with their mind and then made it happen that's that always happens tesla is a great example of that if it wasn't but, for tesla we wouldn't but, have lights but, where do you Whoa. think uh tesla got his information from do you think that that came out of his mind um or do you think that he had uh communications with say some off-worlders or time travelers since we're talking about all this stuff like, we're assuming that this intelligent mind of uh, one man, Tesla, or if we could bring Einstein into it, intelligent beings is what you're saying, that are humans, have created all this stuff um, without any kind of influence. Well, I'm not saying there hasn't been any kind of influence over the, the several millennia or several hundred years or maybe the last 50 years or whatever. Maybe there has, maybe there hasn't. The thing is, there's not any credible evidence uh, to support either way. No, you're right. You're right. That's the main problem. But there is credible evidence to support that Tesla was a very smart person who created a lot of really smart inventions, and had nothing. And there's nothing in his writing that says, "Hey, I was influenced by aliens, or I was channeling some aliens." Nothing in in his uh, personal uh, library that even indicates that. Now, there's stories created by men saying that he was channeling or that he had had visitations, just like there's stories about the Nazis having a connection with aliens right. and the Nazis uh, having UFOs. Stories not but backed up by any credible evidence. The, the cave paintings we were talking about earlier of thousands of years ago and the petroglyphs and all these types of things. And so, you know, these inspired thoughts that we have, are they our own or, or is it a telepathic thought that come from somebody outside our perception that says, hey, let's help these guys out or... Blink, there's a thought. You know what I'm you know, saying? I, I've, been, I've been doing a lot of thinking about cave paintings in the past and stuff. That's actually a, a good uh, thing you brought up because it's, it's interesting. There is uh, an answer, I think, to that. Um, for example, let's, let's say the, some of the cave paintings were done by a tribe of people that lived in that area, right? And they were drawing what they perceived to be whatever weird... Uh, event was happening to them. Maybe some there were, some of them were being abducted, and they were seeing these weird-looking people, or or beings, humanoids, or whatever. Isn't that conceivable that maybe this was an invasion that was going on by a tribe that was maybe a few miles away? They were sneaking in to maybe take some of the women, or maybe going and rape some of the women, or steal some of the food, or whatever it was. And they were perceived to look like something weird because they were maybe dressed differently. And that's how they drew them, however they dressed. You know, back in the day, uh, they used to dress pretty weird, man. Let's just be honest, in tribes and stuff, it's not like they didn't dress in all crazy kind of get-ups. So it is conceivable that maybe it was just another tribe from a village a few miles away that this, you know, these people didn't know about. Now, yeah, I think it's ability. However, what about when you're seeing these paintings of the people pointing into the sky with a ship that's showing uh, beams of light coming down over top of another individual from a distance. So 
what in that other tribe would be coming in with this type of uh, device or this type of a flying apparatus or what else would have been in the? Now you're talking about like re- you're talking about religions, uh, religious um, art. They show like like that. That is one depiction, okay. but there's also cave paintings that show these things also. In fact, I have pictures from here in New Mexico on petroglyphs that there's these elongated headed uh, beings right next to what appears to be a UFO with antennas. I mean, it's it's just and this this was supposed to be thousands of years old. These petroglyphs here in New Mexico, and I have pictures of these things. So. Could it have been uh, an, another tribe? I don't know. I mean, most of the time they painted things that they physically saw. I don't know what that would be. Well, my whole thing is, is my question would now be, is, is what petroglyph and pictographs are there out there that have uniformity of look and feel across how many different cultures? The same way they did it in the Prometheus movie. For some strange reason, across all the cultures that they showed in the Prometheus movie, they had one being that looked different, or actually the same across all the cultures, pointing to the same region of space. Now, what artwork has been out there for thousands and thousands of years that have some commonality, some uniformity across all the cultures? Well, I'll tell you what, there is. There is some actual... Um, right here in New Mexico, there is so much of this stuff. It's just amazing. Here's this uh, stone. It has like the, what they were saying, the Ten Commandments. Alan, Alan, something's going on. Hold on, hold on. Let me catch off real quick. Something's going on with Alan's connection there. We're getting terrible feedback. Do you still have it? Uh, well, hopefully, no. Uh, okay, good. It's gone now. You need to like just stay close to the mic, man. I don't know what you're doing, but stop it. Stop <laughs> okay. it now. Okay. Yes. Yes, boss. So, okay, uh, <laughs> you know, here in uh, New Mexico, there's like several several places. There's uh, um, Chaco Canyon. There's uh, the I can't remember the name of the one place where all these petroglyphs are. I have pictures of there, but um, there's a place in uh, Los Lunas, I believe it is, and there's this 80 ton stone. And if you look, you can Google this or you could YouTube it, and there's actual uh, pictures of this. And it has, uh, um, I think, Arabic on, uh, uh, writing. And what Aramaic? is it doing? It, or yeah, Aramaic. And here in uh, in New Mexico, and what what would it be doing here, as opposed to, you know, other parts of the world where it's more common. Well, yeah, you know, I know, I know, exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. Actually, funny as it is, um, that is a—it's the Aramaic writing, the original Hebrew script that they found in New Mexico. Um, that also links to something very, very similar in Ohio, uh, which which they found stones that have the original Aramaic writing that also dates back and goes back to somewhere near Plymouth Rock as well, too and all the way back to Ireland. Um, the whole thing about that is is that people think that, some people have the theory that the reason that it's there is because this is where, you know, the, the Indians that settled in that area were one of actually the lost tribes of Israel was one theory. The other theory is, is actually that uh, during the uh, ransacking of Jerusalem, uh, the Knight Templars actually went through Europe across the sea 
into the northeastern part of the country and then kept on going, actually carrying a lot of the ancient relics from uh, the uh, temple. And that's why you have Hebrew writing there, as well as they found a small little sarcophagus um, in Ohio that had the Ten Commandments actually etched into it on the inside um, and other papers that deteriorated on the inside. Yeah, I, I, that, there's, there's been travels between Europe and the Americas well before Columbus. That was my next question to you. If we're talking about history, then that doesn't make any sense as far as our history line goes because we're supposed well, no, no, to... We, no, no, not the history line. The history line's real. The problem is, is that most of the textbooks are always written in the eyes of the conqueror or whoever's left top dog. That, that's right. my point. Yeah. That's there's very way, There's way too much of our prehistory that we have no knowledge of, that can put a lot of things into perspective and hopefully pretty much should bring more peace to the world than war to the world. The problem is, is that war is a profit center for a lot of evil people. Agreed. Like the Bush family. Anyway, we'll be right back in a few minutes, guys, with uh, <laughs> Steve Bassett on the second hour. Uh, I want to open up the lines again. I want to tell everybody they are open, so please call in, 786-245-8127. Uh, again, you can look us up on Skype, PSN Radio, and Dark Matter Radio Network. Uh, Joseph, stick around with us so you can uh, join in with uh, Steve Bassett, who's going to be with us in the second hour as our featured guest. Do you want to stick around for that? I'll try. I'll stick around as long as I can. It's getting late. What time is it there? You guys are later than me, in fact. Yeah, it's almost midnight here. The midnight oh, hour with Stephen <laughs> Bassett. Can, cannot be better than that, man. The midnight hour with Steve Bassett on Skywatchers Radio. Again, call in, everybody. We'll be right back in a couple minutes with our guest, Mr. Stephen Bassett, the leading advocate for ending the embargo, the truth embargo that deals with ufology. He's the man. He really is. I mean, Steve Bassett is the man, everybody. So we'll be back with him. days, my world is a flood, 
professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person, and if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Hi, folks. Ronnie McMullen here for Life Change Tea. Healthcare is a problem. Whether you're for or against Obamacare, it's a mess. My question is, who do you trust? Do you want to be told what to do, or do you want to make your own decision? My opinion, preventative maintenance. Keeping your colon clean is preventative maintenance. A little exercise, a balanced diet, and drinking Life Change Tea. It tastes great, and it helps with constipation, high cholesterol, liver problems, acid reflux, and much, much more. And with the holiday season upon us, you can get some extra tea for free. Don't wait for Obama. Make your own decision. Order now. Call us at 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Or you can log on to getthetea.com. That's getthetea.com. Ridding yourself of harmful toxins is truly preventative maintenance. Get the tea. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the ad council green light hey girl school zone i'm getting hungry car changing lanes you want to meet me for pizza stop sign intersection clear yeah street pizza sounds good ball in street girl in street (gasps) it's hard to concentrate on two things at once like texting and driving stop the text stop the wrecks how will you stop texting and driving tell us at stoptextstoprex.org Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. All systems are functional. And you're going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the, the new king of radio. This is the Oz man, one of the voices in the Jackal's head. Are we alone in the universe? 
down. I'm a voice of the Chucklehead. Let it preach. Is there life after death? I'm Nick Pope, and now I'm a voice inside the Jackal's head. Is the government keeping secrets from us? This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. Will the Cubs ever win the World Series? <laughs> I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. And that was Lloyd Pye. Who the hell are these voices inside my head? Listen live on the Jackal's head and find out. <laughs> You're listening to Dark Matter Radio Network. Everybody, we are back on Skywatchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, PSN Radio. Please, again, everybody who wants to call in, do so. Open lines the rest of the night, 786-245-8127. We're joined now with Mr. Stephen Bassett, who's joining us for the second hour here. And, Stephen, uh, you were on with us earlier this month. Unfortunately, it was on much sadder times when we had uh, just the passing of Lloyd Pye. Uh, now, of course, we want to get an update on what's going on with you and what you're working on. And uh, just a quick overall update on what everything's happening in your world. Well, I uh, first have more sad news. Oh, we just lost another... Researcher activist. Uh, oh, just okay. Out, uh, an hour ago, uh, Elaine Douglas, the um, pioneer, really, uh, was in 25 years in MUFON, one of the original people with the Operation Right to Know, did some early activism in the early 1990s before I even came on board, one of the few to ever march in front of the White House on this issue. And she created the Journal for Abduction Counter Research, JAR, uh, really, 30, God, I don't know, 35 years of engaging this issue just passed of cancer. So, uh, again, I, I'm very sad that Elaine did not see the resolution of this issue in uh, in her lifetime. I, I remember Elaine, things, she, she was on Jerry Pippen's show a while back, wasn't she? I remember hearing her show. Yeah, sure. Yeah. She's done media over the years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, many times. Um, oh, sad. So, it is. Um, we're going to lose more. The truth embargo is 67 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's how old I am. <laughs> they're, they're trying to outlive us all. Uh, like the Soviet Union outlived an awful lot of people. Never got to see the end of that fiasco of a government. Um, hopefully uh, we'll be out of this soon. Uh, referring to the truth embargo. A um, number of things. One... I'm about to send out an update to the main PRG list. Uh, due to the bad weather, bad politics, and funding issues, the, the launch of the congressional initiative to get hearings uh, on Capitol Hill for the, the scores of witnesses that are ready to testify, we've discussed, has now been rescheduled to March 31. Okay. And that date is firm. Okay. That's it. So that's the day that we're going to ship the DVD sets 
out to the U.S. Congress uh, and then um, and start a full-fledged go to public campaign to get people to contact them and, and to, 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 to look at these DVDs, look at the material, look at this citizen hearing on disclosure material. And meet with me. I'll be probably arriving in DC. I'll be arriving up on Capitol Hill uh, about. Hmm, I'm going to guess around April 8. Uh, and making the. I say arriving at Capitol Hill. I'll be I'll be contacting the Capitol Hill offices with requests to meet, right, with okay. the chiefs of staff to talk about the content of those of of the citizen hearing and why we need Capitol Hill hearings right away. So that's important. That's that's an announcement I'm about to get out, and um, that, of course, is the what we've been aiming for now. ERG has been aiming for many, many years. There are enough witnesses ready to testify of sufficiently high rank and station that if they are in front of committees on the Hill with cameras, obviously covering it, there'll be a lot of that. Uh, the truth embargo will will probably be over within a short amount of time. Uh, maybe a month, if that, because they, there's just no way that the media will be able to stand down after that. The media will just go nuts, and uh, that's it. And I think the government will know that, probably even uh, before necessarily a 1,000 reporters turn up at their door and might then move uh, practically to to end the truth embargo um, right then and there. So. That's the game plan. And, and, and that's why there's been no hearing since 1968. Uh, the smart people inside military intelligence know that those hearings could not take place. They had a short hearing that was a legitimate hearing, but it was not really intended to resolve anything in 68. And then that was it. They shut everything down, and it was like nothing nothing to do anymore. Just go away. Uh, shut down Blue Book and uh, you know, just, you know, destroyed NICAP and thought they were pretty much free of it for a good while. And they were, uh, but about uh, nine years after the shutdown of Blue Book is when Stan Friedman and and uh, Jesse Marcel Sr. came together. Right. Stan interviewed him, and yep. the whole Roswell story starts uh, up for real. Right, starts evolving uh, again. from there, yeah. Yep. yeah. And uh, really, it was the Roswell story, and of course Jesse's uh, uh, coming forward and telling the truth, which he decided to do late in life, retired, and with cancer. Uh, probably shouldn't have. I mean, it was probably against some of, some national, you know, some security arrangement he had, but he didn't care. And uh, once, and there was the Roswell inf- information coming out there in, in, in 69 that just kept this, it got this issue back into play permanently. And of course, Roswell then goes on to become a legend a legendary event, legendary place, a focus for public interest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and off we go. So uh, the hearing last year was 68. Now we need to have the real deal, the real hearings, um, and uh, my intent is to go back to D.C. and, and get them. Stephen, you know, the more I think about it, the more I, I just I concentrate on what's been going on on the last few months, especially with uh, Podesta uh, joining Obama's, uh, you know, team. To me, they're almost like getting ready for the announcement at this point, I think. Well, from our perspective, you really have to wonder about that. Yeah. I, I just could not think of a, of a, a standard explanation for bringing uh, Podesta into the administration on a consulting basis. I just 
couldn't see it. Um, they're just it's, he's 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 completely embroiled with running the Center for American Progress. Right. He's obviously able to contribute policy stuff to the Democrats at will. Uh, he's got a whole think tank capable of producing policy. Why? What? What is? Why would you bring Obama in? I mean, Podesta in to the administration in a sense, in a formal way, uh, to get his advice. It just didn't make any sense, except in one instance, for sure. If Obama was going to use Podesta as the liaison to cut the deal with the military intelligence that allows for disclosure to take place, it would be very awkward if he was not working for the White House, as opposed to simply being a civilian being asked to come in and what negotiate with some big shots in the military intelligence community, right? So when you work with the White House, you have certain um, protections. Obviously, you're 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 back under full security oath, and so forth. When you're just a civilian citizen being asked, well, can you come help out? And so the formality of bringing him on board fits nicely into that scenario. But there may be another scenario that I have no idea about. But then, of course, I know Podesta's history here. I know the history of the Clinton administration. Now, most people don't. The vast, vast majority, 98% of all the American people do not know the history of Podesta in this issue or the Clinton administration in this issue. But there are people that do, including you, including me. And, and, and we look at this and go, this is very interesting. I hope it's true. I mean, I haven't made a big deal out of it. I mean, I haven't really been, uh, I haven't sent any press releases. I'm not really pounding the drums on this because I... I don't want to make it harder for them. I, if that is intent, that is their intent. I want to give them some breathing space to to possibly put that together. If you draw tons and tons of attention to it, then it might uh, make it uh, more difficult for him uh, to be used in that way. Um, I do find it funny though. A lot of uh, websites have been really just uh, focusing on that aspect of, of Podesta and uh, the fact that he's interested in the UFO subject as far as his being appointed to uh, to Obama's team. I, I, I find it really funny. They're just, that's one thing they keep reporting on, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's interesting. That, and certainly the websites that deal with this issue, that's what they're going to report on. If you look at the news, they, they don't make that connection at all. So the no, but even Huffington, Post, uh, even Huffington Post made a mention of it. There was, no, I just say not at all. That's not true. There, there was a, actually a mention in a, a sort of a, a reference in an article in the Washington right. Post. Um, it was, again, done in tongue-in-cheek, though what they said was true. So they, they brought it out, but they didn't certainly focus on it in the kind of serious way that would attract the attention of of uh, other editors, pushers, and what have you. Again, playing the game, the dance of the truth embargo. It's a, it's a wonderful dance. No, no, you um, said that Washington Post. I, and while I didn't know about that one, I was talking about the Huffington Post, uh, HuffingtonPost.com, uh, which is a very well-known political website also. They even reported that new Obama advisor John Podesta is an advocate for UFO disclosure. That was how they reported when he first joined the team, which I found yeah. really I think, I think I think the, post, the Washington thing ran a post about 10... Four reasons or ten reasons why a president may not want to see, you know, John Podesta show up at the White House. But um, overall, it's simply not out there in a significant way, uh, and that may be a good thing. So I'm not, I'm not contributing to pushing this right now. Um, uh, certainly, 
talked about Podesta's role in this and going back to the administration countless times. But now we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. I, as I said, disclosure is close, um, and I, I, we're, we're looking for every everything, every indication, indication uh, that, that uh, might turn up. Uh, always checking any any uh, particular event to see is that an indicator or not. Uh, the Podesta thing was just obvious. I mean, it was right. just very obvious. There's been some disinformation stuff lately that I've noted. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, not a huge amount, but there's been some, some things of interest. Um, if, if we're really getting close to disclosure, there'll be more. Right. And we'll be watching for those. Um, but close to disclosure is one thing. Disclosure is another. Uh, there are just too many people, I think, of influence inside government that could block it. Any one of them can could block it uh, if it were getting close. So we have to keep the pressure on and people. And, the, and the, the congressional hearings is the ultimate pressure. Now, do you think that once we uh, come around March and we, we have the hearing, um, how long do you think do you think it's going to be a, a few days or a month after or a couple of weeks after that the government is going to make a move and say something? How soon do you think it's going to happen? Well, we launched the Congressional Hearing Initiative March 31. Right. That is an attempt to get a committee, at least one in committee in Congress, House, or Senate, to agree to take testimony from a range of witnesses, not just one or two, but many. Uh, and when that will, I, I'd like to see it in 90 days. Uh, I'm going to give it a full, intense 90 days and then see where we're at after that. But uh, I, I, I want to get it right away. Now, let's say that it all goes pretty well and a committee agrees to, to conduct the hearings. They can be put together very quickly when they right. want to. Like on Benghazi, right? I mean, they, they were having hearings on Benghazi within weeks, uh, and they still are having them. So when they, when they want to have hearings, they can have hearings. There's, 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 you don't need a lot of ramp up. Right. People have to be notified. They're going to fly into Washington. They're going to put in hotels. Uh, they're given a schedule, one to testify. Sometimes there's a advanced um, uh, testimony that takes place behind uh, closed doors. Then they go in front of the cameras in the chamber, uh, in one of the House hearing rooms, and so forth. So be very quickly. If the hearings get underway for the kinds of witnesses that I will insist on, um, I believe the media will probably go into some sort of frenzy within four or five days, tops. And then once that starts, uh, what happens is the, the, the media sort of uh, cuts the the shackles off their legs and is able to move away from the radiator a little bit more um, and start asking questions. And there's a whole range of questions that could and should be asked of a whole range of people. And if those questions actually start getting publicly asked, the people involved will know the jig is up. Now, are you gonna get, no what kind of feedback? Out of, what, what kind of feedback are you getting from like other countries concerning the, uh, the, the hearing on March? Well, we got we got feedback from all over the world. It's very positive. In fact, we need to publish that. I have a whole bunch of feedback, tremendous feedback from people around the world. It's all positive. It's great. Uh, I, the, the citizen hearing on disclosure got the strongest response to anything I've ever seen. Mm. It's taken place regarding this issue. 
of an advocacy type um, that I'm aware of. It was a game changer, and it's still very powerful. And, and it's, things have slowed down. Our funding ran out. We need to find more. Uh, so it slowed things down. It's been almost six months. Or it has oh, it's been more than six months. It's been seven months. It's been that month. But uh, soon the DVD sets will be done, and they're going to be out. And they're going to be we're going to be uh, marketing those all over the world. And of course, we're going to be sending to the Congress the 100 UN rep, uh, ambassadors, 100 U.S. ambassadors. Um, and it'll all be back in play very quickly. So it's not going anywhere. And of course, there are pieces of the hearing all over the internet. Right. So uh, you know, and we haven't lost any witnesses. Um, well, that's not true. We lost one. We lost Jesse Marcel Jr. Correct. Yeah. Uh, after that hearing, uh, which definitely hurt um, a lot. Um, but none other, none other than Jesse so far. Uh, and again, uh, uh, hopefully there'll be no more losses between now and in the spring. Uh, so, but we have you know, there's more than enough witnesses to fill hearings for weeks. Uh, you know, but that, yeah, that brings up a, a good question, though, uh, Steve, real quick, not yeah. to get you off, but that brings up a good question. Uh, you know, witnesses of Jesse Marcel Jr.'s age are, you know, they are getting older, and as they get older, people, are, you know, do eventually pass away. Uh, is there a possibility that the government could, you know, hold out, even though you have the hearing, and not say anything and just wait it out until most of the, these witnesses have passed away in the next, I don't know, 5, no. 10, 15 years? No, because... Once I mean, this this will be. Fine. I mean, it'll be without a doubt. Uh, this is going to blow the the cover off the whole thing. This hearing, it is. It does once the witnesses start testifying on the hill under oath, which is Pensley of perjury, federal, serious. Right. Mm. These right. people, they, 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 the Washington Post and other uh, entities that have <clears throat> been servicing the truth embargo for years. Um, they've been able to sort of ignore this. Uh, if, they, if they're part of press conferences, it's just a press conference. They can ignore right. it. And we had the citizen hearing on disclosure. It was a little harder to ignore. And, of course, it created, I think, quite a splash. Correct. But, yeah, yeah, they were able to stand down afterwards. But when they turn up on the Hill in front of actual committees, right, with the level of public and, and media interest that will be in the hearing itself, uh, and that testimony start to be heard, by people all over the world, the media is going to realize that this is the biggest news story in history, and that's it. They're just they're going to be unchained, and that's the, that's uh, so. It doesn't matter whether once that testimony is up there, it's filmed, it's in the can, it's history. So what happens to the witnesses after that is uh, not a factor. Uh, the media will close the deal by putting the government in a position where it absolutely has no choice but to disclose. What are the government's uh, line of defense is like? Well, we're going to investigate these claims and uh, see how how much you know truth is, there is behind all these claims these people are making, and they launch some sort of investigation without really conceding that there's any truth to it yet. I could try. <laughs> I could try, but there's already a host of questions. Right about well, it, it's kind of like it's like the whole steroids. Be, it's like the whole steroids. And then after the fifty-fifth time, they say, "Well, we'll look right. into that." Then the media is going to get even matter, right? And 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 again, when, once the media goes into feeding frenzy, there is just no force on earth that can stop it. 
Well, the, the reason I say it is because it's like the whole baseball thing with uh, steroids, for example. I mean, there was uh, committee hearings, people testified, and then there were trials and all kinds of things that came after that where they launched investigations. Uh, that could possibly happen here where there could be uh, some kind of investigation launch uh, to try to figure out if there's any truth to any of these things or any of these stories. Again, aside from the fact that there's mountains more evidence for the ET presence than there are the steroid thing, aside from the fact that <laughs> the ET point. issue is ten thousand times more important than the steroid thing, um, the analogy would hold. But obviously, that's not the case. This is the kind of thing that. So you're, you're definitely. So you're definitely. I mean, I'll be able to. I'll, I mean, I'll be able to go on radio shows and literally feed the media the questions they need to ask. I just go on radio television and say, hey, ask this person of that, and ask that person this. And there's just no way out. I mean, the person can say, well, I'll, I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Well, we've, got, we've got too much evidence about their connection to the issue already. And so they're all going to come off looking like complete and total liars, and everything will go downhill. So, every, and so what's going to happen is you're going to have powerful people calling up the president or calling up the Pentagon and saying, for God's sakes... <laughs> Tell the truth here, because we're sinking out here, right? We're dying out here. And now we're just and who knows else is happening? <laughs> I mean, it's just this is this is you know this is a balloon. Uh, you, know, you know how the Air Force tried to explain Roswell as a mogul balloon? Well, let's yeah. use that analogy. This is a mogul balloon that's been adding, been, been pumped, being pumped up for sixty some years. The thing is like massive. Okay. One little if a if a seagull flies into it, the thing's going to go. So it's just too vulnerable. Uh, it cannot withstand, uh, and there are t- uh, the, you know a media onslaught, and there's plenty of people in this town that know that. And so once the process is underway, it's irreversible. That's interesting, um, Alan. You've been awfully quiet. You have any questions you want to ask, uh, Mr. Steve Bassett? Oh, good God. No, I'm absorbing everything he's saying, and I'm actually more than fascinated to the point where I'm just making my list, and I will be picking his brains shortly later on in the conversation. <laughs> good man. Yeah, Steve, have you seen the, the images of the moon that we talked about earlier on the show here uh, from um, Google Images, which show a triangle or a rectangular object that, with lights on it, kind of similar to what was reported at the Phoenix Lights? Um, I've seen it. What are, what are your thoughts it, on that? Um, it, it originated on a website that has some credibility. It's up there, and I find it quite interesting. Um, you, you probably can pull it up on your end and, and give um, your uh, your audience some ways to search it up. But mm-hmm. the only the only thing about this story that I was a little uh, unsure about was that. They were referring to very sophisticated um, equipment and, and technologies, uh, and they were talking about photographing this incoming object in deep space, and they showed a, a photo of it. Uh, I was just thinking, can, can they photo something that small in, that, in deep space and, and come up with it? Well, they, they very likely can. I mean, you know, let's face it, you know, our telescopes are capable of doing particularly the space telescopes. Right. But uh, if, if, if this article is true, and I encourage your listeners to go search for it, Object on the Moon, something like that will get it. Um, Actually, uh, make it, it hasn't easier been picked for up by the mainstream yet, but if it, it, if it is true and, and, and it's supportable, 
this is a big, big deal. This could be a very significant uh, issue. Real quick, just to make it easy on the audience listening in, if you guys go to facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio, that's our Facebook page. I just posted the uh, link right there so you can actually see the object. It is a remarkable object. Now, of course, there's already people trying to debunk it, saying, oh, it's nothing but uh, images that were stitched together to make this mosaic, and it's just uh, an illusion, and uh, it's not really there. Uh, that, that doesn't hold any water. We, we discussed that earlier, and it really does not work for me. Uh, for the simple fact that even if you're making a mosaic out of a bunch of images, they're still taking pictures of the same spot, all of them. And they're going to show you whatever object is in there, especially if there's a crater with some kind of uh, of technology there for excavating or for mining or whatever they're doing there, or whatever this object is. Uh, even if it is a bunch of layered pictures put together for a mosaic, you're still looking at something that's possibly there. Well, I, I never want to underestimate the power of... of uh photoshoppers to create realistic images. I, I it never underestimate right. that. They get better and better right. every year. Oh yeah. Uh, that said, one any any artificial structure object on the moon or Mars, but let's talk about the moon, that was not put there by humans, that's the ball game. That's it. Right. That confirms not only a life outside the planet, which is a certainty, almost everybody agrees to that but intelligent life outside the planet and intelligent life that has somehow deposited an object on our moon, uh, which completely explodes virtually every last vestige of the debunker's uh, playbook, and thus the door that opens for the full engagement of the ET evidence we have already on this planet, which is massive. So it's a big deal. Um, I'm certainly following it. Uh, There are ways to check this. Um, and other photos that could have been taken in the past. There are millions of photos that have never been looked at that NASA's taken. But, oh, yeah. but, but well, I, I take that back a little bit, because this is a recent event. The implications of this story is that this is a deep space object that came in. It was lost for a while. They could not track it. They lost the ability to track it. Hmm. And then it turns up, they believe, in a crater on the moon. So this would have recently arrived there. Um, still, we can photograph that crater. It's easy enough to do. Uh, and rephotograph it. If there's nothing there, it doesn't prove anything, it could have left. But still, this is a significant story. I'm I'm intrigued by it, and what I read was impressive. Conclusive? No. Certain? No. Worthy of follow-up? Absolutely. And there have been other things like this going on. It it looks, you know, sightings have increased, interesting kinds of sightings, near misses of airplanes. It's like, it's like... You know, think, think of the planet right now, the biosphere of the planet, the, the living area of the planet. There's like a shopping mall, and uh, at 6 in the morning, there's not a lot going on. By 8, things start to pick up, right? And then by 11, it's getting really intense. And then as you go later in the day, the mall just gets busier and busier and busier. Well, that's kind of like what's been happening the last 20 years, and certainly the last 10 years, is that there's just more and more and more things happening, uh, meaning that there's just more activity, meaning that there's something going on here. Now, in the case of the mall, you know what it is. People are now able to, they're coming to shop, and it's later in the day, they can get away, and they're all going to the mall to shop. Okay, what explains all this activity in our, in our biosphere, well, potentially rated DTs? Uh, I have a theory, and that's that we're headed towards disclosure, and disclosure leads to contact. But... Um, Clearly, all this activity is is making it tough on the truth embargo. 
Oh, no kidding. Even out of Mars, there was recently that picture with the, uh, the, the, the rock that just showed up in front of the rover. Yeah, that's an example. Who knows what it is? There's several possibilities. But notice, something like that's got a lot of people's attention. Why? Uh, it's just a rock, right? Who cares? Right. Because it has implications of life on right. Mars, past or present. So people fix on it. Every little thing like that is going to be picked up on. Um, yeah, so, absolutely right. Yep. Uh, again, the truth embargo, very vulnerable, uh, ready to go. We need to finish it off. And with that, we're going to cut to a quick commercial break. We're going to be right back here on Skywatchers Radio in a couple of minutes. On the other side, we'll take more calls. If you guys call in, call in, open line, 786-245-8127. We're talking to Stephen Bassett about the upcoming hearings in March and possible disclosure. Love to hear your thoughts. We'll be right back on Skywatchers Radio, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. proud to be a book person. How do I choose a book? Sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual. If a book's really impressing me and the writing is really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the endings of books should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. Here's a riddle for What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Do your kids share a bedroom with a sibling? Is dorm room privacy a problem? Introducing Privacy Pop, a new way to create a private and comforting space on your bed. Privacy Pop is a bed tent that fits over twin, twin extra long, full, and queen beds. Privacy Pop is your ticket to seclusion in crowded sleeping quarters. Privacy Pop is the perfect holiday gift for the youngster who likes building forts and cramped college dorm rooms. Log on to privacypop.com and see how this unique sleeping system easily pops out from a small carrying case. Easy to store and simple to set up. Privacypop.com. That's privacypop.com. The perfect holiday gift for your grandchildren or your own kids who want a fun bed fort. Choose their favorite color. See this unique sleeping system now. Act now for a limited time offer. Use promo code RADIO in the checkout cart for free shipping. Log on to privacypop.com. Use promo code RADIO for free shipping. 
put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. All systems are functional. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. Is there life on other planets? This is nuclear physicist Stanton Friedman, and now I'm a voice in the Jackal's head. It's the government keeping secrets from us. This is Stephen Bassett, and uh, I am now a voice inside the Jackal's head. Want to find out more? Listen to the Jackal's head. The biggest trick the Jackal ever pulled was to miss the world <laughs> that he doesn't exist. everybody we're back on Skywatchers radio you're listening again live to the dark matter radio network and psn radio and we're talking to mr stephen bassett we had to say good night uh to alan weiler my co-host for the evening he had a little bit of an issue they have to take care of so he's gone for the evening and it's just myself angel and mr stephen bassett and again your calls if you guys call in 786-245-8127 psn radio on skype and dark matter radio network on skype look us up call in and we'll take your calls uh now i want to give before we continue i want to give a, a quick shout out to the show that aired before us and the show that that's going to air after us tonight just to uh make sure everybody keeps listening uh epic voyages airs on dark matter radio network after this show and i want to give them a, again a quick shout out really good show and uh check them out they're going to be at that time slot only temporarily because that's our future home 1 a.m. in the morning. It's going to be Sky Watchers' uh, new time slot pretty soon. And uh, also, a quick shout out to the Zod Rider show that aired before us. They had a really interesting guest, uh, and Doug T, also himself. Uh, really interesting stuff on Zod Rider show every week, Tuesday nights. Uh, uh, Stephen, welcome back, my friend. We're on here for the next uh, 25 minutes, and um, let's continue uh, this conversation on disclosure because some people just joined in and they're asking me uh, of, uh, you know, they I guess they missed the first half hour of uh, of the interview with you here, and uh, they missed that March 31st is set in stone as the day that uh, the hearings are going to be held. Uh, they're asking me not if held, it's, not if held, it's, not held. That's the day that the Citizen Hearing Initiative is launched. launched the initiative right. is to get the hearings in Congress. Right, right. Okay, so how, how long after that are we going to actually have the, the actual hearings? Exactly. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to get them within 90 days or less. Okay. We're going to give it our best shot. We're going to throw everything at it we can. Um, I'm still I'm raising the funding to be able to drive this process as fast as possible, as hard as possible. Um, and if we succeed, we'll get the hearings within 90 days. And if we get hearings and, and the witnesses that are available are permitted, well, are included, which they will be, that's it. I'm pretty sure that the truth embargo will not last much much, much longer after that. Well, the reason I bring that up is, again, I'm being asked uh, here in, 
in private about it if that's when it's going to start off. And yeah, there you go. It's going to kick off on March 31st, and uh, it could be 90 days before we actually uh, have the official hearings take place. Uh, and again, uh, now, Stephen, you know, once the hearings, uh, once we actually get confirmation that there are going to be uh, hearings and when people are going to be able to testify and, and everything is is done and under wraps and the government does crumble and say, okay, yeah, it's true, uh, you know, what do you expect uh, the level of of craziness to be like with the media over this subject because i know there's a lot of people that are into the subject of aliens and ufos within the media but do you think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be like 24 hours a day coverage all over the media yeah you think they're just going to run with it 24 hours a day 24 7 nothing about it the will be 24 7 for <clears throat> weeks maybe a month maybe longer it will literally dominate the news across the board, everywhere, worldwide, for many weeks. Uh, I mean, there'll be other stuff will be mentioned and covered, but they'll constantly come back to it. So it'll be incredibly intense, which is, and, and that's a good thing, because obviously if everybody around the world is watching news uh, shows, Europe, North America, South America, everywhere, and they're not they're not uh, in learning and and trying to find out what's going on. That's got them pretty much focused on on the uh, the process of of uh, revelation, as opposed to walking around in a daze, uh, feeling very anxious about their future or what's going to happen. So that will help to keep things kind of calm. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, what's really bad is when the government says something really, really incredible has happened, uh, but we can't tell you about it for another year uh, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, that's that's not good. Um, uh, or just in general, if something happens and there's no explanations for it coming, that's when people get upset. That's not be the case here. Um, the media will be sure that we'll have all of the ET-related, um, uh, how would you say? coverage of one form or another for many, many weeks. And this will be the, the uh, I guess you could say, the decompression process um, that will get things kind of stable. And then after a certain number of weeks, things will start to slow down and issues will start to be addressed uh, piece by piece. And then the stories will be more segmented. The, They'll focus on this particular thing going on and that particular thing, and um, every time some new information comes out, there'll be. Uh, but but the overall uh, coverage will still be pretty intense for uh, a year or more, right? Um, with new stories breaking all the time. But because the vast majority of people in the world are able to follow this in real time, they are not going to have. Um, it doesn't provide them the opportunity to get. Uh, really um, uh, overly paranoid or concerned as long as they're getting information and it's truthful information and there's more coming then they will be focused on that learning, 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 learning Stephen, let me stop you there real quick. We have we have a caller who just joined us. Three one three, you're live on Skywatchers Radio with Steve Bassett. Do uh, you have a question for Stephen? Oh uh, yes. Uh, how are you tonight? Doing fine. Thank uh, you for calling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, my question to you, Steve, is: have, Are you familiar with a researcher by the name of Art Campbell? 
Yes, I am. I've actually yes. talked to Art. That was him. Yes. I, what do you think of his research? I know he has. Uh, he's claimed to have found anomalous metal and at the plains of Saint Augustine, and uh, you know, I just mm. he, I, he has a new book out, but I haven't heard much about it. You know, on various. Well, he's one of many researchers that are looking into aspects of the history of this issue. He's also engaged some hard evidence, material stuff. Material evidence is extremely difficult to deal with, very difficult to develop. Uh, but he's also looked at the history of events that have taken place. Uh, he's been at it a long time. He's an old old guard guy, and uh, his work is appreciated. He's one of hundreds and hundreds that have been doing this for years. And collectively, they've, they've produced more than enough evidence to confirm the extraterrestrial presence many times over. And so they all have my respect. Is he one that you would think would be uh, that you that would be able to present some of that information if you if there are hearings? Um, don't know. I, I, I there will be the focus. The congressional hearing testimonies are going to be mostly focused on government political witnesses and agency witnesses. You work for the Air Force, Navy, Army, NASA. CIA, uh, or you were a former politician, uh, official, that type of thing, and you've got things to say about it. It's going to be really focused there. There might be some researchers uh, in the initial witnesses, possibly, limited number. Uh, later on, the particularly if disclosure takes place, you may see a broader range of witnesses brought in to testify before Congress. So it's hard to say. It's a very complex process. But uh, again, I think I can say with confidence that uh, former members of the military, um, civilian agencies, polit and political figures and officials will be the focus of uh, witnesses in the initial stages. Okay, great. Well, I'd like to thank you for uh, being for your for your courage in pursuing this, Steve. And I'm in your corner. I'm one of your supporters, so I'll keep You're on welcome. supporting you. Hmm? Okay, thank you very much. That's all for my call. Thank you for calling in. Okay, you're welcome. Take care. The, that gentleman right there represents, I think, a large part of the population, Stephen, where uh, we are ready, I think, for disclosure for the most part. I think, you know, if you poll, uh, and I know there's there's been polls done. I don't know how fairly accurate these polls are, but I think there's actually a better number of people that believe that we are ready for, you know, the full disclosure to happen than even the polls are telling us. Would you agree with that? I think I, it's a larger I, number. I have not seen a poll yet that I wish they would do it not seen a poll that's asked that very specific question hmm. are you ready to learn from your government that you're not alone in the universe no actually that's not strong enough are you ready to learn from your government that non-human intelligence is already engaging you and the planet right now um, that's the question love to get the percentages on that they haven't done it can't afford to con um, commission that poll myself, eventually that question will get asked. I, I, I think the answer will be very, very, very large number, majority mm -hmm. of the U.S. will say that, all the developed world. I think where people might be most likely to be upset, and I mean upset to the point where it's, it's uh, potentially destructive, 
will be in the areas of the world where people are already upset. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, very unstable um, yep. areas, failed states, this type of thing, where people mm -hmm. are in a great deal of paranoia, considerable amount of difficulty. This is going to be one more thing that they have no idea what to do about. But And that's unfortunate, but they, remember, the, these areas are already in trouble. And so a little another great unknown I don't think is going to be that much uh, different. Um, it's in the developed world where you have the highly sophisticated societies that have complex economies that need to be cruising along all the time like a Mercedes Benz or that you get into trouble where you don't you definitely do not want to see significant disruption of um, uh, daily affairs. Uh, so, uh, but in that case, it, it just so happens that these same countries, the population has been in, exposed to so much information about the idea of extraterrestrials, about the 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 phenomena of UFOs, movies, films, and everything else. That they're just, I believe, not going to be overly stunned, curious, wanting to know information, wanting to know it quickly. But stunned to the point of not being able to function. No, no, no. We're 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 more than ready in that regard. Do you, do you think there might be any backlash uh, immediately from like certain religions or sort of religious groups? Because I know the Vatican has come forward saying they they accept the notion of aliens. But you think do you think there'll be an immediate backlash uh, post disclosure? I don't think so. I don't see why. Not a religious one, you think? No, well, first backlash. I mean, there might be, there will be people of faith who reject the information because right. they find it troubling. But that's nothing unusual about that. It happens all the time. Uh, I don't think you'll you'll the formal um, the managers of religious formal religions are going to to get quickly out of line. I certainly don't think like the head of the Mormon Church or the Catholic Church or some of the Protestant faiths are going to somehow get completely um, discombobulated and start sending out edicts. I, I just don't see that. Um, the facts are what they are. Extraterrestrial life in the universe, uh, other life in the universe, is no longer considered a paranormal possibility. It, it's a normal possibility. It hasn't been found out yet. They know that. Uh, yeah, now, I know that people that believe that the Earth was created in 6,000 years, uh, would, would, this is not going to help them hold on to that. might agitate them a little bit. Uh, but that's not simply enough uh, segment of the population to be a serious matter. Uh, there's just no, there's no reason for religion to be profoundly concerned about the presence of extraterrestrials. Um, they may have to rethink some some assumptions that they have. Uh, there may be some impact on some of their history. But the reason that people are religious doesn't really have any much to do at all with whether or not they're extraterrestrials or not. It's completely right. independent of that. Uh, it has to do with the the uh, the the way that hu human beings uh, cope with being sentient, self-aware animals mm. in a very complicated and often dangerous world with finite lifespans and so forth. 
um, and having to cope with coming into this world knowing basically nothing and then spending your a good deal of your life learning a lot of things, which still ends up being a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of knowledge. I mean, we we all are born into a an ocean, and and we have to somehow figure out how to swim for 60, 70 years. It's not easy being human, and, and religion services that. Um, and people are going to continue to need uh, to have that as part of it. Um, and there are still questions that the ETs are not going to be able to answer, such as who made the universe, if it was made, right. what came before them. They don't right. answer to that. You know, um, it would be really, if they did, I would be stunned. I mean, it's possible, but yeah. I seriously doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll have. So again, religion <laughs> is not. You know, there there are other segments of society that are going to probably have more more adjusting to do. Yeah, the oil and gas industry is more likely to have to do a lot more adjusting than the Catholic Church. Wouldn't it be ironic though? We find out at some point that we got our religious views from ETs. That they uh, somehow manipulated uh, religion in some way in our history to to give it to us in a way to give us religion to give us these documents of faith. Uh, not only ironic; it's almost certain we're going to learn some connections between religious history right. and ETs. Um, at minimum, at minimum. Uh, a number of ancient peoples confronted with the presence of extraterrestrials uh, essentially deified them, which was totally logical. Not a criticism intended at these ancient peoples. That's what we would have done if we were ancient people. Uh, and so over time, these deified ETs um, become part of a uh, a religious doctrinal structure, and that's a bit awkward, uh, and and I think that's going to be found out. But that doesn't mean that all of religion is somehow ET connected. Nor does it mean that the ETs were, were manipulating religion. It could be more of a fact that they're coming and going, they're doing what they're doing, and people are going, and and this is a natural um, uh, consequence of that. But. Uh, one could see how uh, advanced civilizations might use uh, the a, a, the context of of religion to direct uh, groups of people or uh, whole nations um, in certain directions. Uh, it would be tempting. Uh, and and if so, uh, that's a good thing. Uh, it's a very promising thing because when you look at the the instances where people point at possible intervention by religion into religion or into into the human human um, condition by quote giving messages or conveying. Uh, from the sky into the mind and so forth messages. These messages, by and large, tend to be away from destruction, away from violence, and and uh, uh, toward uh, you know more more productive, more peaceful uh, endeavors. Um, in other words, moving the human uh, sentient humans. Uh, further away from their fundamental animalistic uh, nature, which goes back several million years, mm. 
and towards a society uh, which is um, more distanced from that um, and less brutal, less violent, and so forth. Uh, so that would be an indicator that the extraterrestrials' intentions are good. Now, we're getting into some some significant speculation here, territory, speculative territory, uh, but since we're freewheeling it, yeah. that, that would be a thought I would have. But the fact is we do not know precisely, obviously, and will not know for a while, certainly not until after disclosure, and, and after even contact, probably open contact with extraterrestrials, what the, the long-term historic connections are between the, the scores and scores of religious threads in human societies and ET connections. Stephen, we're almost out of time here. Um, real quick, I have actually a question that they, they sent me on Facebook here, and I wanted to ask you. Uh, what are your thoughts are on um, on the possibility that once we are at the hearings, once we you know the, we get the government to actually admit some disclosure, if what they admit to is that it's not an alien connection from outer space, but uh, alien race from within the Earth, or maybe time travelers from the future, uh, would that be catastrophic, catastrophic, considering the type of news that is, uh, compared to it being aliens from just another world? Well, first of all, in terms of in terms of the 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 the, the, the activist uh, movement and the truth embargo and everything else, it doesn't really matter whether they're from another planet, another dimension, or from time. It's the same thing, really. And the extraterrestrial term is designed to include all that. Inner Earth would be a little different, um, meaning they've been here all along, so they're somehow already genetic, fully genetically connected to our biosphere. That would be a, a trickier, but I, I got to give you the odds of that are so tiny that it's just not something that I, I w w invest time in. I mean, there's there's anything is possible, but the odds of that are just simply tiny. I mean, let's let's start with the most logical, and most <laughs> obvious, and that is other planetary systems, and work from there. Um, but uh, in terms of the politics, in terms of what needs to be done, ending the truth embargo, uh, time travel, other dimensions, other planets, uh, this, these are distinctions without a difference. Now, before we go, I'll mention that there's, this is going to be a strong year this year in many, many ways. And it's getting off quickly. Uh, there's going to be a very, very good Conscious Life Expo at the LAX Hilton again this year. This is going mm -hmm. to be February 7 to 9. Yep. Um, a lot of people are expected. We've got a lot of events planned. Many people are. There's many speakers dealing with the ET issue. Uh, I'll be speaking. I'll be doing a workshop, and I'll be moderating a panel. And I can say this because they've announced it already. Uh, at George Norrie's event, 6 p.m. on Saturday, 6 7:30. Uh, it's a special event that he always has. Um, they have been gracious enough to uh, give me a lifetime achievement award, which George is going to present to me. Uh, and so I'd love some. Of people, friends, colleagues, whatever, come join us. That's February the 8th, uh, 6 to 7.30, Saturday, at the Conscious Life Expo. So that event's taking place. And then right after that, starting on the 12th, 12th to the 16th, uh, you've got the International UFO Congress Conference in Fountain Hills, northwest of Phoenix, uh, the probably now major, the major UFO conference in the country, UFO ET conference in the country. Looks to be very strong this year. I'll be speaking on the 12th. I'll be doing a panel on the 13th, and I'll be there the rest of the conference all the way through the 16th. All of these links are on my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org. They're in the uh, PRG updates, which I send out. I'm about to send another one out. 
PRG at ParadigmResearchGroup.org. That's where you got to contact if you want to be on that subscriber list. Uh, so those are two significant conferences, and I have a list of all the other conferences coming up later in the year. There's quite a few. Um, but this is a real strong start to the year. Um, Conscious Life Expo, LAX Hilton, Feb 7 to 9, and then the uh, IEFO Congress, Fountain Hills, Arizona, Feb 12 to 16. I'll be there for both of them. Very good. And also citizenshearing.org. Make sure everybody check that page out also. And yeah, that's the key site for the citizen hearing stuff. And, yeah. and you can get a glimpse of what we're going to be sending to Congress on the 31st of March. Good stuff. Uh, Stephen, my friend, thank you so much for uh, gracing us with your presence once again here on Skywatchers Radio. And look forward to having you on very soon again, my friend. Always, Angel. Take care, man. Have a great night. That brings us to another conclusion right here on Skywatchers Radio. And uh, it was uh, a lot of fun tonight with uh, Steve Bassett here in the second hour, Joseph Mara joining us in the first hour. Uh, Stick around. Epic Voyages is next right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Keep listening. We'll be right back next week. Same time, same place. Skywatchers Radio. Take care, everybody. Stay safe.